Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. We want to continue our series on Seek First and... uh, you know, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, which by the way, if you missed Brett Allman, uh, you missed out, but you can go to the podcast. It has been up uh, for the last few days, and uh, you can certainly share that link with anybody that you know that is walking through uh, mental health. I really do, and I would just want to publicly thank Brett for giving us permission to post uh, his talk on our podcast, and uh, and so what an incredible time. He He just, by the way, he just wanted to say, uh, how much he really enjoyed being here with us, and really, he said, Craig, you've got some really great people, and I was like, amen to that. Uh, you're amazing people, and he just felt like uh, he was well-received. He felt like, uh, you know, God did some really unique stuff on uh, uh, here last Sunday, and so we're grateful for Brett and appreciate him uh, giving us permission uh, to share that on the podcast. Now, the week before, though, I had shared a little bit about this, this idea of being eager, And we talked about being eager to connect with one another. Paul in Romans chapter 1 had this real passion uh, to to get to Rome so that he can connect with the church in Rome. And it wasn't just to invest in them and pour into them and preach and teach. But Paul said, listen, I also want to get together because what I come to do for you, I'm hoping that you will do for me. And there's this mutual beneficial relationship that happens between the two. And, and I highlighted that, that the reality is that that is how the church should function. And the truth is, is that that should be our heart. Our heart should be that we're eager to connect. That when we come in here on a Sunday morning, do we often think to ourselves, what can I do to pour into somebody else? Instead of, what can I do to receive? Not that there's anything wrong with receiving, but we also know there's a real power when we choose to give more than we choose to receive. God does something unique and special among us. And so we're, we're seeing that. And that's the reason why, we, and we did, we, we pushed our, our community groups. And, and it's exciting. Uh, there's another one that's on, uh, on the way. Um, so out in the foyer, you'll see there's a bunch of uh, cards and different things with information about some of the community groups that we have available to you. Everything from Bible study to uh, connect groups. Uh, Tom and Diane Ferns, they're starting one on March 25th on Monday nights inside their home uh, just for a time of connection. So we called it Let's Connect Group. And uh, they're, they're just hosting, just you want to come to their home and uh, have a time of, of connection and prayer and just reading scripture together. Uh, that's the place they're going to continue to do that throughout the year. Uh, they might take a break in the summer, but anyways, it, it's going to be fantastic. And we encourage you to be a part of a community group because this is what it means. It's really about authentic relationships shaping authentic faith. And you will see us push this and challenge us all the way through. So I'm grateful for all the people that have stepped up to say, hey, we want to be a part of that. Well, this morning, I want to talk about the second part to that passage. And actually, the, uh, the second part of that passage was the trigger to this portion of the Seek First, uh, the Kingdom uh, series. And again, we're going to look at Paul, and, he's in, and we're going to look at verse 16, uh, where he makes this declaration. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. He's not ashamed. Do you know, as a dad, that word uh, is, is a fun word. 
Because there are times where my children don't want to acknowledge that I'm their dad. Now, that might be because, you know, the odd time I will throw out what I think is a well-timed dad joke. But according to my girls, there is no such thing. There is no such thing as a well-timed dad joke. They're all poor and they're not good. And every once in a while, I'll get a little smirk, which tells me, no, 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 no. There's always a good dad joke, right? There's always, always there, right? Or, you know, maybe it's those times where when they were kids, I used to joke about how, you know, there were certain days of the week where, you know, as a dad, I have to take them to school, you know, with no shirt on and just shorts and black socks and sandals and, and the fear that comes over, you know, their faces. And then part of it is because they actually, not only do they actually think that I might do it, they actually think I will do it. You know what I mean? Like, I was one of those dads. Like, I'm the dad that when we get in the mall, I'll do something silly or stupid on purpose just to embarrass them. How many dads know what I'm talking about? How many, ta- how many dads in this place take pride in that opportunity, right? Like, there's just something about it. So there are days where, i got to tell you, man, when my kids acknowledge me, it's a win. It's a win. But when they were little girls, man, they had so much pride that I was their dad right? It's like anyone and everyone. That's my dad. That's my dad. That's my dad. Hey, come meet my dad. You know, and there's this eagerness and and, and to acknowledge to, they weren't ashamed. They weren't reluctant. They weren't, you know, holding back. They wanted people to know that I was their dad. And what I love about, you know, Paul in this moment is when he makes this declaration, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. What a powerful, powerful statement. And here's why. you got to think about Paul's background. Paul was dead set against the gospel at the beginning. I mean, he did everything to tear it down. He did everything to persecute the early church. In fact, if anything, he thought it was an absolute shame that you would even believe in this nonsense. That you would believe in Jesus. That you would believe that this, this, you know, this man from Nazareth is the son of God and, and he is the Messiah. And so he persecuted the church. It doesn't make any sense. And, but now, now walking into Rome, the epicenter. You know, this is, the, this is the capital city of the Roman Empire. He's walking in with such confidence. He's not reluctant. He's not shy. He's not holding back. Now it's a different story. He's like, I am not ashamed of this gospel. I mean, this is the gospel. Go deeper than that. This is the gospel that has, you know, we said this a couple weeks ago. This is the gospel that he's found himself in prison for. This is the gospel. This, this news that he's sharing, every town has, has put him in jeopardy everywhere that he's gone. And yet here he is, waltzing into Rome with this confidence. He's like, I'm not ashamed. In the middle of this empire, in the middle of all these great leaders, all these Greek philosophers and influencers of the world, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of, of, of sharing this. And, and on a personal note for him, He was a scholar. And all of his contemporaries, and I shared this with you probably a couple of months ago, all of his contemporaries stood back and said, Paul, like, did you lose it? Like, how can you go from being such an educated, this deep scholar, this intellectual, you you know the law inside and out. You are well-respected 
among all your peers, not just among the Jews, not just, I mean, among every contemporary scholar. And you're buying into this? The gospel actually took a chunk out of his reputation. And yet he stands there and he's like, man, you have no idea. You have no idea how, how proud I am. How, in fact, it's the opposite. I'm not ashamed. I'm not reluctant. I'm, I'm, I'm not humiliated, humiliated. I am not embarrassed. I'm not, I'm not reluctant to participate in the, in the proclamation of the gospel, the good news. And can I just tell you that if the church is going to establish or partner with God to establish the kingdom of God, if we are going to partner with the Lord in building the kingdom, if we're going to experience the kingdom of God as God has laid it out, as he's intended, as what he desires and what he longs for, we need to have that kind of heart. We need to have an attitude like little children where we're just so eager to share the kingdom of God, to share the gospel, to share the good news. We need to be like Paul that's not ashamed. That's what pushes the, you know, uh, the kingdom forward because the reality is, is that a lot of times, you know, we, 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 we often think, man, the church is built on great worship and it's built on, you know, great programs and, and great preaching. And don't get me wrong, those are tools that God uses. But can I just tell you that there is no other and you already know this. This is what's so funny. When I'm, as I was sharing it uh, with myself, as I'm reading it and, 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 and thinking about it and I'm processing this, I'm thinking to myself, God, this is such a simplistic message today. I, I don't plan on wowing you today, you know? Not that I've wowed you in any other point, but I'm just saying, you know? And yet, can I just tell you that what we know we often need to be reminded of this, that there is no other message, there is no other thing that can align you and I with the purposes of God and move us further in God and see the kingdom establish greater no other philosophy, truth, teaching, preaching, program, ministry, skill set, you name it. Nothing can establish the kingdom of God like the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing. Which is an interesting thought. Because like I said, Paul was walking into Rome. And Rome was known as the epicenter. I mean, Rome itself, this, the, the Roman Empire was this empire that obviously would take pride. They've conquered everything, including Jerusalem. They're on the top of the world. And so in their minds, you have to wonder, did they think that they're one of the greatest, if not the greatest influence on the planet at that moment? I would hazard a guess, yes. And they were known for having the, the great scholars and philosophers of their day, Greeks and Romans and, 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 and wise. I mean, that's why in verse 14 you'll see that, that Paul says, and we'll get to this in a few moments, he said, I'm obligated to the Greeks and the non-Greeks. You know what the term non-Greeks mean? Barbarians. Because the Greeks 
felt like if you weren't one of them, or if you didn't speak another language, or you didn't have their intelligence, or you didn't have you know, their philosophical background, you might as well be a barbarian. You're unschooled, untrained. Everybody else was like the second level. There's there two levels. It's either you're Greek or nobody. Like, that's just how they saw things. Or the wise and the foolish. The, the wise is the intellectual. The foolish is not someone who is, is dumb. It's just a person who sees life simplistically. I just, just do life. It's all good. Man, I'm breathing. I'm happy. It's all good. He said, I'm obligated. And yet he goes, I'm eager to preach. That's why I'm eager to preach the gospel. For I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Because it's the power of God. Meaning it has this intrinsic, intrinsic power, this ability. It's, uh, I love when you look at this word. It talks about power and action. It's like it's, it's, it's there and sometimes you, you forget that it's there. It's, it's, that's why I believe the scripture says that the word of God, you know, will not return void. Because once it gets sown, once it gets spoken, it starts. There's an action. It just automatically happens. It's kind of like, you know, when you put a seed in the ground and you can't see that seed, but the moment you put it in the ground and the moment you do what you're supposed to do, which is to water it and let, you know, let some sun get in on that. And it's kind of hard to believe because it's in soil, but, and you can't see it and you're see, but yet you can see the fruit of it because eventually it begins to, to grow beyond the soil and you see it. That's the gospel. When, when Paul says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm in this place where you guys think you're the greatest influence. You, you think that, that what you know and what you understand or how you do things has the greatest impact on the world. But I got news for you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. Because it has the ability, it is power in action. The word power here actually is the word dynamite. And it explodes. It just, it, once it's lit, it explodes. Something happens. This chain reaction. And you may not be able to see it, but I'm going to tell you today. I think he was making a declaration to Rome, to all the Greeks, to all the philosophers, to all the intellectuals, to every person. He's like, listen, I'm going to tell you. I know you think you've cornered it. I know you think that you influence, but I'm going to tell you right now what I'm about to share with you has greater value and greater influence and long-term will have the greatest impact on history. It is the gospel because it is the power of God that has the ability to produce salvation, meaning deliverance, wholeness, alignment with God, making us right with God, allowing us to step into that relationship with God where sin is no longer between us, but there is this open relationship with God the Father. And when it comes to eternity, and when it comes to life as a whole, and the way that God has planned it, there is nothing more valuable for you and I to have than the gospel of Jesus. Nothing more valuable. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we, we, we need to be reminded that, that we have this, this gospel. You know, I remember a few months ago going to a, a, a hockey game, a Maple Leaf game, which, by the way, bad night in, you know, in New York this week, but, you know, Saturday night came, and that was just beautiful. I just got to tell you right now. But anyways, but I remember going to a game. 
And even though I knew that hockey was a fast-paced game, because I play it, and when I play it, man, I'm like a gazelle on skates, I'm just telling you. Not in the way of speed, just like messing around, my legs are going all over the place because you put a gazelle on skates, and well, you know what I'm saying, right? And uh, I remember sitting there, and, and Cora and I were sitting behind the net, a few rows up. And, uh, man, when they started just shooting the puck on net and some of them missed, and you hear the puck hit that, that glass, and you're like, whoa, I would not, I don't care how much equipment you put on me, man, I am not standing in front of that net. There's no way, I mean, it's just whizzing by, and it's, and it, you know, I mean, these are, you know, a few years ago, I think it was Ally Afraidy that hit like 105 kilometers or something like that, like something crazy. Just think about that. Not, like that's just nuts. And all of a sudden what you know, you're reminded of. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded. Maybe that's the key. Maybe that's the trigger to, to getting you and I to a place with, where we would have such an eagerness like Paul. Where we're not ashamed to share the gospel with our neighbors. Uh, we're not ashamed to share it with our coworkers. Uh, we're not ashamed to, you know, to do something in the way of a public service outside you know, at Memorial and not worry about what people think or feel as we're worshiping God outside and, and maybe we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Because it's the most important message that they will ever hear. And I'm reminded of what Jesus proclaimed in Luke chapter 4 when he began his ministry. And I want to go there today and I want to remind you today. I want to take a couple of minutes to remind you, to remind myself of the very gospel that is the power of God, that once it's spoken and once it's sown, it begins to accomplish things that allows us to walk in a relationship with God. Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands in front of um, you know, the, the temple, he, and he's reading the scripture of the day. And it just so happens to fall on this passage out of Isaiah, and he declares this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has set me apart to do this. This is my purpose in coming. This is the message of the gospel right here. For he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up this, the scroll and he puts it down. He says, today, today this passage is fulfilled. Basically what he was saying is, I'm here. And I'm about to venture into establishing this. You see, the gospel has the power to set us free. And setting us free allows us to, to walk in this relationship with God because now we're no longer prisoners, but he has the power to set us free. The term prisoner here or captive refers to someone who has been taken or conquered. 
they become a prisoner. We have become a prisoner of war because of our sin. Sin entered the world and a war began. And, and the truth is that every one of us, no matter who we are, we've all become captive according to the scripture. It took us prisoner and it's conquered us and it now binds us from the freedom and sin keeps us from God. In fact, when you look at you know, Colossians chapter uh, 1 verse 21, and I, I won't read these, but I, I just want to give you these uh, passages so that you can you know, take a, a quick uh, a look a little bit later on. But if you look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 21, it says that our sin alienated us from God. It distanced us from God. And it's original sin. It's not just our personal sin, but it's, it's sin. The scripture says that we've been born sinners. Original sin, we carry that. And the reason why we all need to ask for forgiveness, and so our sin keeps us, it distances us from God. But Jesus said, I've come to proclaim freedom. And his declaration of freedom wasn't just in word, but it was indeed the moment that he stepped on the cross. It was, it was done the moment that he you know, rose again from the grave. And we're going to celebrate that in a, you know, a couple of months in the way of Easter you know, in that timing and celebrating that, that incredible freedom. And I love, if you look at verse 13 and verse 14 of Colossians chapter 1, it basically says that we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and we've been redeemed because of that act. Meaning we've been released and delivered from our slavery. We've been set free. We've been changed from prisoners to now people or children of God. And that sin no longer has the power to keep you and I captive. When you and I speak the gospel, when you and I share, that's the message that we're sharing. When we sow the seed that, hey, listen, no matter who you are, there's sin. And that sin is keeping you from God. But I want you to know that Jesus came so that he can break the power of sin. That he can conquer sin and sin and death so that you and I, through the forgiveness of, of, of Christ, can now walk in that relationship with God. That we no longer have to be prisoners of war. But if anything, he says, I've come to preach the good news to the poor. That term means pauper. It means a beggar. It means someone, and, and really the point of this is to refer to someone who is spiritually desolate. There's an emptiness inside. Listen, there's one thing to, to walk in forgiveness of sin, but, but, and I was reading this just even last night from someone who, who tweeted something about, listen, there is more to the salvation message than eternity. Yes, there's an eternity to gain and a hell to shun. That's just being honest. That's, that's a message you don't hear in the church very often anymore. But it is a reality. But he said there's more to salvation than that. You see, it's not just freedom from sin, but we are brought into a, a place of adoption. We're no longer paupers. We're no longer, you know, beggars. We're like in society today, we kind of put them off to the side or, you know, we'll just give them little breadcrumbs or help them out here and there. And they still exist in their condition. No, the difference is Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 to 7. And again today, just because of time, I can't get there. But makes this declaration that you and I have been redeemed and given full rights as sons and daughters. We've been adopted into the family of God. We walk into this relationship. You're not on the outside anymore. You're not in the streets, but you're in his home. You're in his kingdom. You're a part of his family, and everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Wow, I guess I'm the only one that's excited about that. I'm just saying. Come on. Man, do you understand why Paul says, man, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to Rome to share this gospel. Because I am not ashamed. 
I'm not reluctant. I'm not humiliated. I'm not holding back because it is the power of God that has the ability to set you free and to bring you into a relationship with God the Father because right now you're standing on the outs. But no, 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 come on in, man. Have a seat. Let me feed you. Let me, let me clothe you. Let me pour into you. Let me love on you. Let me show you how much of a father I really am. Come on, a full member of God. He goes on to say, listen, I've come to bring sight to the blind. It's more than just adoption. It's more than just getting something. But the term here refers to something that is opaque or smoky. That it's really the idea of someone who has the inability to see. You know, a few Thursday nights ago, uh, I remember this particular night because there was like five of us here on a Thursday night. I know it's not a great, uh, you know, promotion of Thursday night session, but it just happened to be a really, really crazy, foggy night. And even coming in myself, I was like, man, there's no one's going to show up today. And, and uh, I mean, Jurgen and Rita showed up, but, I mean, of course, they, they got to. I mean, they live next door. So if they can't get across the parking lot, you know there's something wrong, you know? And so because of danger, one of the people that did show up who was working in town but had to drive all the way to St. George, I just said, you know what, we're going to cancel tonight. Uh, listen for the podcast or join us on Sunday, but, but go home because I know how dangerous it is. We all know how dangerous it can be driving in fog. Do you know how dangerous it, is? dangerous it is for you and I to do life without the revelation of who God really is? It is so dangerous because it leads us down roads that God never intended for our lives. It's so dangerous because it sets us behind the eight ball and we don't have the ability to comprehend or see or know what God is really doing. Or sometimes it allows us to buy into lies of the enemy, truth that is not what, what culture says is truth, but not, not God truth. And Jesus said, listen, when I've come, I've not only come to set you free, I've not only come to bring you into a relationship with me to make you full heirs, sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, but I've come to give you sight. The gospel comes to bring and give you sight. You see, this is how it produces salvation. It's, it's not just deliverance. It, the word for salvation also means wholeness. That when you and I begin to, you know, to understand the gospel, if anything, it changes and flips the table a little bit here. And now we become dangerous because now we begin to see into the kingdom of God. We begin to see into the word of God a, a different revelation because God is opening our eyes. To his truth. And when he opens our eyes to his truth, it changes the way that we walk. It changes the way that we act. Just think about it. When we drive through foggy situations, we're, we're really careful. You know, we've got our eyes on certain spots. You can't, too, you can't look too far ahead. But how many of us, you know, get to that place where, you know, we're, we're, we're a little hesitant in life. Because we really don't know what God is doing. And we really don't have a good handle on his word. But the moment the fog begins to rise, the moment that we're able to see, man, we begin to, we begin to drive like we're on the Indy 500, man. It's like, you know, we're on the Indy circuit, man. Like we just like put on the helmet, let's go. You know, like you're ready to go. 
Because now you can see where you're going. Now you can see all the obstacles. You can see the curves in the road. You, can, you, know, you, you know how far you have to go. That's the revelation with God. And it changes how we live when we walk in true knowledge and understanding of who He is and His power. He said, I come to bring healing. Life brings a lot of situations. There's some good, there's some bad, and some leave a mark. And the word oppressed here, he said, I've come to, to bring healing to the oppressed. He said, I, it refers to someone who's been broken into pieces. You know, sin takes its toll on us. And not just our sin, but the sins of others can take its toll on us. It can mess with us. And for some of us, it can dig so deep that it not only leaves a mark, but it leaves us broken in pieces. Hillary, I'm going to ask you to come. I, I remember um, a couple of years ago speaking at a section retreat for the Barry section. Like five different youth ministries coming together, and I don't know, it's like 150 kids or something like that. And and I remember um, preaching on this particular passage, and and I had done each one separately. And that morning I was, or that night, sorry, I was talking about, you know, God's ability to heal, because what's really powerful about this is that even though the word oppressed means something that's been broken into pieces, the word healing here refers to something that has been so restored, it's as if it was never broken. So I, had a, I, brought, a, I, I brought a tea cup with me, because you know how much I love tea. And I, and I put it on this, I mean, it's, it's youth ministry, man, so you got to be as, you know, as crazy and extravagant as you possibly can, man. Like, and if you're like me, I'm a, I'm a visual learner. Like I am. And, and so I put this teacup and I had a hammer and I, and I called uh, someone who, in the group that was, that had said, hey, yeah, I'm good at like putting things back together, you know, uh, if something breaks, that kind of stuff, you know, whatever. Like a handle off a cup. And it happened to be a, a youth pastor's wife. And what I didn't know was right there in the moment the Holy Spirit wasn't just using the visual illustration for the students, but he was actually using it for the youth pastor's wife. They had gone through a season of such brokenness, but nobody knew. And I didn't know. I just called her up. Because the moment she lifted her hand, I felt the Holy Spirit say, pick her. I'm like, come on up here, Julia. So she comes up and and I said, if this cup broke, do you think, are you confident that you could put it together? And she goes, well, yeah, like, you know, if it's not broken into pieces. I said, yeah, here's the problem. The problem is sometimes life and sometimes, sometimes sin and sometimes the sin of others can cause such a brokenness and oppression inside of our lives. It doesn't just break us, it smashes us into pieces. And I took this hammer and I just wailed on this cup and it went 
everywhere. And if you've ever dropped a cup or a plate inside your kitchen or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Once it hits that floor, it doesn't just break. Usually it shatters. And, and all over the place, there are little bits and pieces everywhere. Like you're finding bits and pieces like two weeks later. Even though you vacuumed and mopped and swept and all that good stuff, you're like, oh, here's another shard. You know, like I just about impaled myself. But anyways, you know. And all over this floor was just pieces. It's almost like the, some of it was just dust. And I looked at her and I said, can you put this back together in such a way that when it's done, it's going to look as if it were never broken? And she's like, she's like, well, no. I mean, obviously there's going to be small little pieces missing and, and chunks. I mean, you just, you obliterated this. I'm like, yeah. And the problem is a lot of times we feel like we can bring the healing. And as valiant of a job that we might, might accomplish, the effort we might make, the truth is, is that you and I, in our humanity, there's no philosophy, there's nothing that can compare to the message. There's nothing that can compare to the ability. There's nothing that, 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 that there's nothing, nothing, nothing. Can I stress this this morning? That it can, can accomplish the kind of healing that God can do inside of our lives. Because he said, I've come to bring healing to the oppressed. I've come to set them free. I've come to, to minister them in such a way that I can take all of the broken pieces of your life and restore you to the point where it's as if you had never been broken at all. That's the gospel. That's salvation. It's not just salvation from sin. It's the complete package. And Paul says, I'm obligated. I'm obligated. It's like the word here is, is I'm literally, the phrase is, I'm a debtor to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks. He said, I'm, 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 I'm in debt. I owe the wise and the simple. What he was saying is, when I walk into Rome, or when I walk into this particular town, or this particular community, I owe them. I owe them to tell them about the gospel. Because it is the power of God. It has the ability to walk them into a place and a position of relationship with God, free and clear of sin. Free and clear of, of feeling like they're on the outside, but now they're on the inside, full adoption, healing, revelation of God, wholeness. I owe them. Why? Because Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus. I owe them because I was them. And Jesus. Jesus changed my life. And I've come because I want Jesus to change yours. And Rome, you think you influenced the world? Greek philosophers, you think that you have an impact on this world? No doubt you have. But for me, what Paul is saying is, 
you don't know impact. Because the message that I've come to share, the message that I'm eager to share, is going to change the world. It's come to change history. And not just physical history. It's come to change your spiritual history. That's the gospel. And my question to you, my question to myself, I don't question whether or not we are ashamed of the gospel. I don't think any of us are ashamed of the gospel. My question to us today is, am I eager to share that gospel? Sometimes we just need to be reminded of what we already know. And maybe that's what it takes. The constant reminder that when I speak, listen, I believe in things like timing and all that good stuff. I believe in sowing and, and watering that. I love how, you know, there's a portion in the New Testament where, you know, Paul says, listen, you know, man, Apollos, you know, I, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is what, God is who makes it grow. Here's the thing. I don't know if there's a bad time to share the gospel. Because the moment it's spoken, the moment that it's sowed, the moment we come along and water what somebody else has already shared, because you have no idea what God's doing in the background. All I know is that the Word of God, the gospel is like dynamite. It's a power that once it's lit, it's going off. And it might take a while, but it's going to make its way through. And it has the ability to set us free. It has the ability to heal our hearts and our brokenness. It has the ability to give us sight. It has the ability to pull us into right relationship. The relationship that God intended from the very beginning. That is what it means to be saved. That's what it means. Would you stand with me all over this place today? Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.com.